The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome to another episode of Your Day in Court. My name is Doug Coward, along with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We always start because everybody is going to, at some point in their life, need some sort of legal counsel. How do you get a hold of these experts so they can help you, Bruce? Yeah, and it's it's something certainly you hope you don't need a personal injury lawyer, but if it comes up, um, it's easy to find me, Bruce, at Hagen-Law.com. Hagen is spelled H-A-G-E-N, uh, a little easier to spell than Judice, but still uh, a challenge sometimes for uh, folks with the vowels. Uh, but yeah, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com is my email, my phone number, 404-522-7553. We're always there, uh, available to be reached by phone. And if we can help you or just talk you through any kind of a problem, uh, happy to do so. Yeah, no doubt about it, right? Yeah, Ray Judice. And uh, the name that came off the boat was Scar Dachoni. And then my grandmother's husband's name was Ascolazi. So it's Ascolazi, Scar Dachoni, and Judice. That's what we've got. we got every letter in the alphabet Holy you know, smokes. covered that's, multiple times. That's how you got them all covered. I that's like That's right. So it's easy to find me, RayJudiceLaw.com. 404-964-4185. And just as Bruce says, something happens, pick up the phone and call me. In the emergency room medicine, the doctors and nurses call it the, the golden hour. And it's really not an hour, but it's the, the hours after a trauma happens when they can do the best medicine, when they can provide the best recovery. Sooner rather than later, same in the law. Sure, there may be a two-year statute of limitations in a personal injury case, and Bruce will sign you up the night before, assuming you know it's a good case. And, and sure, you can call me the night before your trial, and I can do something, I hope, for you. But boy, it's a lot better off to get us yeah. early on the game when the witnesses are fresh. We can go out to the accident scene and see where the glass still lies in the middle of the intersection. Witnesses that are listed on the police report are still available. Now, sometimes in my world, (laughs) we don't want the witnesses to be available. But nonetheless, let's make that decision early. So call me. Call me or call Bruce. I agree. And I don't want to cut too much time out from our first topic, but it's the same thing in personal injury cases. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem we're up against is that the public has this misperception that insurance companies are going to treat them Mm -hmm. fairly. And this is especially true among educators consumers, right, who get in a car wreck and they think that, oh, there's too much litigation because of all those greedy people, but I'm going to do this myself because I pay my taxes, I vote for the right people, Mm -hmm. Um, certainly they'll treat me fairly. And then a year later, we're getting the call when we really could have helped had we gotten involved from day one, and we're like fighting with two hands behind our back when they come to us a year later. We'll still fight the fight, but we can do a lot more for you if we get involved early. Let's do a show or at least a segment in the future where we talk about how do we put together a case, especially one that we get early in the game that we'd like to mm-hmm. get, you know, the next day or within a few days, our investigative purposes, photographs, witness statements, measurements, all those kind of things, because it'll show that sooner rather than later. And I always say, while you're sitting at home thinking you can handle it yourself, either the insurance company or in my world, the prosecutors are busy at work mm-hmm. trying to stick it to you. Ooh, I'm telling you, if you need help, 
These gentlemen are the people you should call, Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice. All right, let's get started. I wanted to ask you about Tesla. I mean, they're just cool cars, right? They're just incredible pieces of machinery, and they're becoming obviously more popular, starting to see them everywhere. Well, the U.S. auto safety regulator said on Monday that they had opened a broad investigation into the autopilot system used in hundreds of thousands of Tesla's electric cars. Apparently, there was at least 11 accidents in which Tesla's autopilot in assisted driving mode could steer or accelerate or, or brake on its own and drove into parked fire trucks, police cars, and other emergency vehicles. So the NTSB has talked about this, and they said there's at least one woman killed and 17 injured. This seems like it could be really, really... I think most people are probably a little leery of cars that drive themselves at this point. I don't think anybody's quite comfortable with that. But the the driving, the driver-assisted thing, I, I know a lot of cars do that, you know, where it just kind of it parks itself or whatever. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. You know, what they didn't find when they looked at some of these self-driving cars and the technology, they didn't find any instances of the um, robotic car driving being drunk or on meth or anything like that yeah, uh, or falling right. asleep at the wheel, you know. And it, it's, look, this is emergency technology. Sure. Um, I've been against it, um, certainly in, in a lot of ways, but there's an enormous cash investment being made around the world in this technology. And if you'd asked me this five years ago, I, I would have told you, I will put my faith in stupid people over smart cars any day. Hallelujah. But, but right now, it seems like the smart cars are, are going to happen. And, and that old expression that you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, that's what's happening here. You know, there's going to be some horrific examples of people getting killed and injured along the way to making this technology as safe as it possibly can be. And yeah, Tesla's going to have to answer for that right now. General Motors is going to have to answer for it because they're heavily invested. Um, But it's coming and it's coming fast, much faster than I would have anticipated. Yeah, there's so much of this technology that's already built into cars and not just on the high end, whether it's the uh, beep, beep, beep as you back up and the cameras and there's so much technology embedded in newer cars. We're going to see it in tractor trailers. We already are, as you know, Bruce, right? Uh, the driver is really just going to sort of be sitting there as a almost backup. Like a, almost like a pilot on a, on a Delta jet. Well, don't tell folks how little – oh, don't tell the pilots either. A dear friend of mine is a pilot. Yeah, he tells me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not flying by stick and rudder looking out the window like they're Charles Lindbergh. You know, which way is Europe? Uh, it's all science and it's all technology, and it's rapidly advancing as the chips become more complex and can do more things, as they become cheaper, as there are going to be multiple chips and computers in your car. One, the, the flip side of that is when you wreck a car nowadays, it's just totaled because the, the computers yeah. are, are shot and they're so sure. expensive. Right. So, yeah, I think we're going to see that, and I agree with Bruce. Statistically, we are going to see fewer driving errors because of the human factor is going to be mostly taken out of the equation, and we, we're bad drivers. Yeah, there's no, there's, the there's no distracted better. driving when it comes to a self-driving car. They're, they're not distracted by things right now. What we found here with these instances that uh, NTSB is looking at is that for whatever reason, the Tesla self-driving cars struggled to pick up parked emergency vehicles, right, which is a weird thing. They had something like 11 crashes right. with that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing they've struggled with are humans who are outside of the car, so pedestrians, bicyclists. Um, you know, the, the unpredictable nature of their behavior and movement compared with that of a vehicle that's easier to predict um, has, has been difficult for the engineers to sort of figure out how to deal with that. But, again, it's happening. Like I said, there's an enormous cash investment in this. And, by the way, the ramifications on the economy 
are tremendous. You know, think about the used car market. How many people are buying cars because they smashed theirs? The new car market, um, body shops, repair shops, the insurance industry, urgent care, emergency rooms. I'm saying all these things before I get to personal injury lawyers because it's going to be a huge impact there too. And, and you know, you may be able to turn on that TV and not see this uh, <laughs> inundation of ads for lawyers about car wrecks because there just may not be that many. Well, well I, I was just going to ask you guys about this. What if it's what if it's me and I'm in this autonomous car that's supposed to drive itself and I'm in the back sending an email and, and I have a wreck? Like, how, how does that work out legally? I, I mean, I, it's still my car, I guess, right? The insurance is going to follow the vehicle. So you're going to purchase insurance for that vehicle. Now, are the insurance companies going to lower rates when we take out the human factor? So let's say we have one of these really great autonomous cars. And now my 18-year-old son, which I don't have, by the way, at least that I know <laughs> I have, of. I, I yeah. almost do. So Okay. And, and you know, he, your insurance company is going to charge you a lot mm-hmm, they for do. him. <laughs> they but if it's autonomous, he's as good a driver as Mario Andretti because he ain't driving. So that yeah. should take some of the money out of the game. And right now, the... Best case scenario is that even with the autonomous cars, there's still a human being at the control who's supposed to be paying attention to, to take over and intervene if necessary, right? If, if you see a human being crossing the street, that you can step on the brakes, you can grab the wheel, you can take back control of the car. Um, that will evolve, right? I mean, the vision for driverless cars Which is, is, where my is, is just a box that you get in. It's as comfortable as uh, being in your living room. And yeah, you're on your computer, you're, you're reading, you're sleeping, whatever, and, and it's getting you from point A to point B. And so will there be a liability model built into that where maybe the manufacturers are the ones that have to assume the responsibility for crashes? Will you sign waivers when you buy a car like that where you can't sue a manufacturer, right? Or binding arbitration clauses and things like this. It's There's a lot to be developed. And and over the next 10 years, you know, this this is a rapidly changing area. Um, But right now, sure, this is a problem for Tesla. Um, and they'll have to deal with it, and they may have some sanctions put on them. But it, you know, this train has left the station, and it's it's, it's not going to slow down. Based on this, it it will improve the quality of the vehicles and their systems at a rapid pace. Yeah, in fact, right now there's at least two competing systems. There's the Tesla system, which my understanding is based on infrared cameras, but there's also what's called Lindar, which is essentially radar which more of the European companies are using. So we've got at least two competing styles of this happening. We've got GPS satellites that can make measurements and govern speed, which they do on the tractor trailers. You know, when those tractors Mm -hmm. leave the factory or or pick up materials, they're being followed. They're being monitored. And hopefully that's going to reduce speed and and make things safer. Uh, So isn't this, though, thinking about how much it it was an important part of our lives growing up to get your license? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going to change the dynamic of being a teenager and growing up in America. Yeah, and just the sense of freedom, you know, yeah, um, uh, of, you know, like you got your first bike, you got your license, you you, you uh, got your, I, you know, when we turned 18, that freedom that came with uh, your 18th well, I, birthday, I, I, 21st birthday now, you know, all of it. I really think that's uniquely American. Uh, when you go to Europe and everybody goes to Europe, the first thing they do is they come back and say, oh, you can take the trains everywhere. And then they get back here and they jump in their car and drive everywhere every day and try to park up front. And it's a uniquely American experience to have a car, to smell the gasoline. I mean, from my age bracket, a timing light and change the spark plugs and change <laughs> change the oil. But uh, that's, that's really going to go by the wayside. Seems our, like it. Our, your kids, yeah. and especially their kids, are never going to know what it's like to have a 
you know, a 68 GTO right. with a 95 octane gas. Right, they'll have to <laughs> live vicariously through Greece. Movies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, American graffiti. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah, it seems so sad to think about it, but, uh, but indeed, we are headed down that path for sure. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we come back, a uh, really local story that is very, very sad. A basketball player died, and the two coaches have been charged with murder. We'll discuss it next on Extra 106.3. This is Your Day in Court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Touching on a, uh, a story today that's uh, local and very sad. If you have children, then this is one that will probably uh, touch your heart a little bit. Two basketball coaches that have been charged with murder of a 16-year-old girl who died following an outdoor practice in extreme heat. The Clayton County Grand Jury recently returned an indictment against La Rosa Maria Walker, Askerry, and Dwight Broom Palmer. Second-degree murder, second-degree second degree child cruelty, and involuntary manslaughter, as well as reckless conduct. These uh, charges go back to 2019 when the... Uh, when Amani Bell passed at the Elite Scholars at the Elite Scholars Academy, she was a student there and uh, died after basketball practice when temperatures got up into the high nineties. I just this story because I have a kid that is in athletics and and, and he's around all of his other buddies that are in you know playing ball and in athletics. I just I've never been around a coach that I felt like was intentionally endangering a child. Obviously, I don't know anything about what was going on that day, but I just always come from the perspective that I've that I've always seen, and that is coaches being really, really good to kids and encouraging. and And this story makes me so sad. What What's your take on it? When When you look at it, Bruce, do how do you see it? Well, and and I'll leave it to Ray to talk about the um, issue of intent when it comes to these charges of second degree um, uh, charges and, and involuntary. Uh, manslaughter, but you know, it, it's a coach can have good intentions, but still be reckless, sure, and could still be irresponsible in their actions. And um, you know, it, it's it's a fine line, especially for older guys, where we grew up in an era, and and it was uh, there, there was no heat index, there was no wet bulb uh, temperature guide for uh, us. If, if it was hot, you know, 
you just stuck it out. And, and, and this was from an era of, you know, you don't even drink water during practice because water makes you weak. Um, you know, you know, we would, we would go and if you, if you cramped up, the coach would throw a salt tablet in your mouth and, um, you know, throw you back out on the field. So, so it, it's, we've evolved, we've improved sure. as a society and, and we have guidelines and Georgia high school association has some pretty clear guidelines on how, you know, how and when you can conduct outdoor practices in the summers, in the heat. And, you know, if a well-intentioned coach is not following those guidelines that they're obligated to know and they're obligated to adhere to, then, you know, you have the potential, not just for civil charges, which certainly will come, but in, in this instance, a pretty rare event that you would have criminal charges brought against the coach. Yeah, and it's rare because it's really hard to show criminal intent. In other words, negligence, well, you're sloppy. You know, you, that's that's not that complicated, and I'm not demeaning the the importance and the and what's going to happen in a civil lawsuit. Sure. Uh, it's going to have its problems as well, as far as getting past sovereign immunity, perhaps for the county and the county employees, and what the girl young lady's prior health conditions were, things like that, uh, which I don't know anything about. I'm just saying that will probably come in yeah. to be relevant, right. so you have to know the medicine. But on the criminal side. You know, it always requires intent, and these charges specifically require intent. But as you move down the the, the line, the continuum of the seriousness of the charges down towards uh, second-degree uh, child cruelty, which really requires intent as far as I'm concerned, but involuntary manslaughter and reckless conduct. Now, to me, as a, as a criminal defense lawyer and long ago a prosecutor, that's probably where the county district attorney has their best case. Because you don't have to show that I intended to kill you or harm you or uh, acted with reckless disregard. But it's more closer to the negligence standard that what you did was so so poorly planned and so poorly uh, conducted that you caused involuntarily the homicide, the death. So they've been charged with, with murder, right? Well— it, Let's let's go slow. It's second degree murder. So, okay. So that's not a capital crime. That's not death penalty. Right. <clears throat> and it doesn't use need a weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes, there's a murder charge, but let's say that it's it's down the continuum. And then involuntary manslaughter is a lesser included offense of that. Correct. So, but th- I guess that's my point. Just Why? because they well no, just because they've been charged with it right now, don't yeah. mean that that will stick. Oh no no. And they can change that charge, and it can be busted down. Is that where you're going with that? Yeah. I mean, this is the okay. indictment. Uh, And and I'm going to say what I'm going to say carefully. Uh, An indictment is handed down by the grand jury that hears a smattering of evidence, just the things that the district attorney wants the grand jury to hear. The defense, unless it's a law enforcement officer charged with a crime, they don't have lawyers in there with the grand jury. Oftentimes, prosecutors will seek as full a menu of options as they can have for Maybe they're figuring out the evidence as they go along, mm-hmm. or maybe it leaves more room to plea bargain, okay? Got so it. we'll get rid of the murder second degree. Mm-hmm. How about uh, taking a plea to the involuntary manslaughter? And that, that's not uncommon. Uh, I don't see that it's unethical in this situation because th- I think the facts are egregious here. Yeah, and, and you know, Ray brought up an interesting point about the negligence standard, which is um, something we deal with in civil cases, um, and that being an easier hurdle to get over than the the standard you'd have in a criminal case. And you know, here, um, what negligence means in this context is that there's a normal um, conduct that's expected, right? And we'll call that the standard of care, like you would in a medical 
situation, right? You go to a doctor's office and we say, all right, there's a standard of care you expect when you present with certain symptoms. And if a doctor deviates from that standard of care, then they're negligent. That doesn't mean that that negligence caused you any sort of an injury, but it means that they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And, and that's the simplest way to look at it here in the civil cases. Are you able to demonstrate that it's more likely than not that these coaches didn't do what they were supposed to do? Um, and, and that would constitute negligence. So if you say that, yeah, what you're supposed to do is you're having an outdoor practice. You're supposed to follow the GHSA guidelines at minimum, uh, which means doing the wet bulb test and seeing what the um, heat and humidity reading comes to. If it's above a certain number, you don't practice outside. If it's below a certain number, you can practice outside for a limited period of time and follow those guidelines to the T. You know, um, and if they weren't doing that, which it appears they were not in this case, the negligence side of things is pretty clear cut. Now, does that mean that that negligence is what caused her to die? Are our, our uh, view from this far away of the situation, you look at it, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty obvious, right? But it's not, and and you know we hear many instances every summer, right? When football practice gets started, yeah. there's always some tragic story of some kid dropping dead in the middle of practice or basketball or anything that that happened to University kids, of Maryland a few years ago. Yeah, anything that gets kids up and running. Um, you know, yes, kids rec- um, do. Um, health screenings before they can participate in sports, but there's always the potential for an undetected heart problem that reveals itself when put under the stress of um, running and pushing yourself to the limit, which is how we condition. While right? a 16-year-old high school athlete may have had that, that sort of gym physical that we all had to take when we were kids, that doesn't mean they had a, a sonogram of their heart or mm-hmm. a, a cardiac test to say, hey, there's a, there's a bad valve here. It's been hasn't caused this child any problems for the first 16 years of her life. But when she's running steps yeah. in 102 degrees, it could cause it's it's, it's a it's this, a fatal accident waiting to happen. The standard physical is uh, won't reveal the, the ticking minimum. time, Bob. Hey, you, thank you, Mr. Hagan. You're in the army now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you turn right. your head and move yeah. to the right. So so as your day in court name of our show goes, let's talk about some of the pragmatic problems that this case brings for the lawyers. So if I'm the criminal defense lawyer and I'm representing one of one of these folks, you couldn't represent both because there would be a conflict. My client may have to rat out on the other client. She may take the deal or he may take the deal. Uh, the other client may say to their lawyer, no, 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 it wasn't me. This was her great idea to keep this kid. In fact, she said, I'm going to push her to the limit. Well, so I can't represent them both. That's problem number one. Problem number two is if I cop a plea for my client, she gets a great deal, he gets a great deal then they can testify and not take the Fifth Amendment in Bruce's civil lawsuit trying to take their deposition. But as long as the criminal charges are pending, my client can take the Fifth Amendment at a deposition, a civil deposition. Of course, there's a presumption, right? Yeah. If you are being asked a question at a deposition and you refuse to answer the question, pleading your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, the presumption is that if you were to answer the question, the, the answer would have been harmful to your cause and helpful to the other side cause. So there is a presumption, but it's also the exercise of a constitutional right. And, and you know, as it should be, you don't you don't have to answer those questions and you can't. We talked about this the other day in the context of the Cosby um, trial and the reversal of his conviction on appeal because he had a deal apparently worked out with the prosecutors 
that where they said, yes, you can testify at your deposition about the very acts that are at the core of the criminal charges against you, and we as prosecutors will not use that testimony against you at trial. But then they turned around and did use it against him at trial, and the Court of Appeals threw out the conviction because of that uh, improper conduct by the prosecutor. Right, wow. and I'm trying not to let my client testify at that deposition so that Mr. Hagan or their lawyer doesn't turn it over to the district attorney. Here, I asked her questions for five hours. I got her to admit that she wasn't properly trained or she was, you know, in a cranky mood that day. She didn't like this kid. Whatever it is, that could be used against me now at a trial by jury for the criminal charges. So the lawyers are somewhat at odds. Uh, I can't represent anybody in the civil lawsuit either if I'm representing my client in a criminal case. Lots of conflicts. And you don't want to waive that Fifth Amendment right. You just don't want to. And it can be easily waived even by giving partial answers. So what about the going back to the, the medical, the possibility of a medical issue? How do you find that out? Autopsy. I mean, I, right. I mean, it's clearly so, an autopsy. Uh, maybe maybe two. I, I figured that was going to be the answer. So mm-hmm. that seems to be – and maybe the family is in, in favor of that, not in favor of that. I mean – Well, that, in both cases – the criminal case and the plaintiff's case, there's going to be a battle of the experts as to what was the actual cause of death. Was it running an ex- excess exercise with these extreme temperatures, water deprivation, or was there a latent physical illness that combined with the heat caused the death? And it's going to be have different relevancy to each charge. Exactly, because the uh, criminal defense lawyers, um, if they can say that, hey, look, there, there was this, again, ticking time bomb inside of this young lady and it blew, and that's what caused her to die, and she would have died whether we were doing this or not. Um, it's a much harder case to say that it was your conduct that killed her mm-hmm. as opposed to a pre-existing health condition. Similarly, in, in the civil case, um, the defendant in the civil case, whether it's the Clayton County School District um, or the county itself, um, if there's a pre-existing health condition that they can point to that they can also get around failing to discover, um, then they say that even if there was negligence on the part of our coaches, it wasn't the negligence that caused this young lady to die. It was her pre-existing health condition. So yeah, the the autopsy will be key and, and there are forensic pathologists who will give testimony in these cases that will have examined the body and talk about the body's systems and how things work to heat. You know, Ray, Ray brings out an interesting point too, where, you know, potentially one coach um, saying things that are harmful to the other coach, right? So suppose one coach is saying, look, I told the head coach, uh, coach is too hot today. Coach, I did the wet bulb test and it was too hot. And the coach is like, no, we need the practice. These kids need to run. Or, you know, I told him, don't make this young lady run. She, she's, she's struggling today. And the one coach felt like she was dogging it in practice yesterday. She was dogging it in practice two days ago. I'm going to make her run because she needs to to do it. It even could come from a position—it doesn't have to be from a position of asserting my authority as a coach. Mm-hmm. It could be as, I see something in this young lady. I want to motivate her. I want to show her she can do it. She just has to trust and believe in herself. It, it can be coming from a good place sure. and, and still, still be, be bad. And still be bad, right? right so, right. you know, I ran years ago, I, I ran a youth sports program in Sandy Springs. Oh, wow. Uh, the youth football program for Sandy Springs Saints. Youth, uh, football and cheerleading. All right. Um, and, you know, we were responsible for all these kids of various ages. And, and yeah, we required health 
certifications to be done, and you had to have a health certification to be able to play. Now, Sandy Springs was an interesting community where you had a good mixture of folks who could afford to go to their private pediatrician and, and pay to get the health screening, and folks who couldn't afford it, and, and if you didn't provide some outlet for them, wouldn't be able to come up with a certification. So we offered to have doctors you know, who were there at the uh, facility come and do the health screenings. And so, yes, there was a medical person that was checking the kid, and sure, there was a stethoscope being put to the chest and the neck, and there was a blood pressure cuff going on the arm, but it wasn't the most thorough check in the world, you know? And really, um, the idea that there could have been underlying health conditions that were missed was a very real thing during this time, and fortunately, we never had to deal with that, but, you know, you you do what you can to sort of say, all right, you know, from a minimum health standpoint, you know, your kid doesn't have a ridiculously high or low blood pressure and he doesn't have a racing heartbeat that we can detect so you know go get in the game and have fun so because we're lawyers and we're always looking for someone else to bring into the action let's assume that this young lady who sadly passed away had gotten sort of a you know a low-end discount exam that failed to discover something of a latent injury or, or weakness in her body a bad heart valve that is uncovered in the autopsy is dr x now a defendant in the civil lawsuit Probably not in a criminal case, but in the civil lawsuit for failing to find something that was foreseeable yeah. or that with a routine, a good examination would have found. So this can clearly expand. Were these two coaches properly trained? Whoever certified them, was that a good certification or did they do the minimum and get out of there, you know, with, with their certification on their wall without actually taking the classes needed to do all this testing and to be aware. So, you know, we lawyers like to figure out how many, how many more lawyers can get into the mix, (laughs) but, but sadly in this case, but from lawyers looking from the outside, this will be two pieces, meaning the criminal case and the civil lawsuit, very interesting pieces of litigation. Yeah, and you raise a good point about the doctor's exam because it, it's there, there's a duty to your patient just like there is in any case, and so especially if be- I know what is this exam for? It's for high school basketball, so we're, we're she, we know she's going to be pushed, even if it's just game time. Right, and and you know, does that justify necessarily a, the same battery of tests you'd put through somebody who felt chest pains and palpitations, and so now they're getting the EKG, the CT scan, the the uh, stress test, you know, the cardiac stress right. test, or is it just I'm going to listen to you hear what's what there? Bump, and, bump. And, Sounds great. You know, yeah. I, I don't hear a murmur, and and you're good to go. And um, you know, is is that a, a separate medical malpractice case, right? Mm-hmm. Which it, it's unlikely, but the further you get, uh, you know, from from the uh, the actor himself, the more remote the claim is, but that still is a claim worth, worth looking into and one that I'm sure these lawyers are exploring. I know the family lawyer who's representing this this young lady's family, and um, they're not going to miss anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if, there, if there's somebody there in this chain uh, of events that could be held responsible for it, they're going to explore that option and see what's there beyond just the coaches and the folks who are responsible for the coaches' behavior. Ray mentions training, and so that's that's always something that comes in. It comes in in cases with truck drivers and and cases uh, with security guards. Of you know, did did you as the employer who put this person behind the wheel of the truck, or you know, gave them a gun and put them uh, as your security guard? Did you give them the proper training and um, get them the proper certification so that they could execute their function properly? Because if he didn't, that brings up a whole separate theory of liability against the company that oversees the individual coaches you know and and coaches this could be a community coach as well as as an employee of the uh county and the community coaches 
um, go through a different type of um, process to, to serve in sure. that capacity. They're somewhat, they're, they're a compensated volunteer, if that's mm-hmm. even possible. You know, they, they make a small amount of money. They, they absolutely, as Ray was saying, they, they do the minimum uh, training. They get the minimum from the county. And it might be, yeah, go to this, you know, take a CPR class. That, that, that's, uh, that, that, that's sufficient for your medical training. Maybe also, you know, nowadays, since the um, concussion protocols have changed, a lot of these schools are required to have trainers on site, you know, yep. medical trainers there um, so that they can deal with a, an emergency or somebody independent to say, practice has to be canceled today. It's too hot. You right. know, there, there's a lot to look into here. And, and the more that there are bright line standards, the easier it is to find if there's a deviation from those standards. Right. Uh, one of the things that we talked about earlier in the show was that golden hour. Uh, about getting the case move, moving quickly so that you can gather the evidence now. And we'll point out in this case that uh, this young lady passed away in August of 219. So it's been two full years of, I guess, investigation. Maybe let's hope that the district attorney used that two years to be as thorough as possible. I would assume it took quite a while to do a thorough autopsy and maybe even an independent and waiting for statements. But from the civil lawsuit, Bruce, I mean, do you want to file this lawsuit two years after the accident or two months after the accident? Yeah, I mean, I just assume ready to get it going. You know, they're, they're, with, with a government entity, and Ray mentioned this earlier, that there are issues of sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity is essentially saying that um, the city, county, state, whatever the entity is, ha- has immunity from being sued unless they consent to being sued or unless there's a specific statute that says you don't have immunity for this sort of thing. Um, We're fighting uh, this fight on an issue involving a sidewalk trip and fall case right now where the state, I'm sorry, the city is claiming that they're immune from suit. And we're correctly, of course, pointing out that (laughs) no, this is not the subject of sovereign immunity by statute that says it's not. But in this case, you know, there are issues there. And one of the things you have to do in any case against a government entity is provide them with a formal notice that complies with all the the correct aspects of a formal notice. And I mean, cross every T and dot every I. It's called an anti-litem notice. And there's a period of time that has to go by where the government entity can respond to that. Uh, and it's that shorter notice. than the two-year statute of limitations. So the sovereign, the king says, I have to give you permission to sue me and I'm going to make it really hard. And if you trip up, as Bruce says, in any little way, you're going to lose your case before you even get to court. We see it all the time. You know, folks who aren't that experienced in it or don't keep up with the requirements, you know, some lawyers who are mailing it in and they're using the same anti-litem notice in 2021 that they used in 2001. And and guess what? Things have changed in the last 20 years. Uh, You could have a great case that becomes a great malpractice. Practice case against for your you. client against you because you didn't keep up and, and do a proper anti-litem notice. But these things are battled all the time in court of appeals cases and Supreme Court cases come out all the time interpreting this, ad- adjusting it. The legislature goes back and tweaks the statute periodically. Makes it harder to sue the king. Yeah. And so that would be an issue in this case, too, of whether that was required. Sometimes a school board might be exempt compared to the county itself. As much as we'd love to get that case filed right away, there are reasons why it would probably take a year at least before we'd ever get to that point because you have to sort of run through these processes before you even can bring the lawsuit. Right, but you would be preparing it, and you'd have oh, to yeah. prepare it to the level of litigation to put together the anti-lidium notice. 
I mean, as Bruce says, it's really more than just a lawsuit. You've got to have all of your allegations of negligence, your proof, your witnesses, the damages, what they should have done. And then you have to not only send it to like the mayor or the governor, like everybody else. We've, we filed a few of these. There was a county commission in some county that we sent each of them by regular mail, uh, registered mail, UPS, fax. Finally, the county attorney said, I'm sending you something that says you've... <laughs> You yeah. got us, okay? Would you just, just stop? Just stop giving us so much paper. Here. Well, well, to that point. So during COVID, a lot of these city and and county government offices were closed, mm-hmm. and and the people who are supposed to receive these anti-litem notices were not there to right. receive them. So so we went through extraordinary means to make sure uh, of doing this, including delivering by certified delivery with tracking to the mayor's house. You, you know, to say, hey, we look, we delivered this notice to the mayor yeah. because. The government offices were closed. And folks, these are the kind of things that keep lawyers awake at night or have us go back to our office at three o'clock in the morning. Like, did we get the right person? Did we serve? Is it is it the parent of the brother of the mayor? Did we get right. the mayor? I said, serve the dang mayor. You know, yeah. I don't care if he's taking a bath. Go in yeah. there and give it to him. You know, right. Take a picture of it. You guys know my son is a lawyer in my office and you know, we, he falls into the trap occasionally of some of our clients of saying, this is an open and shut case, right? And I say, do you know what? <laughs> there are very few ways to win a case, but there are an infinite number of ways to blow it. There's just absolutely no thing is an open and shut case and this is a prime example and he hasn't been around long enough and, and i'm not criticizing because we're all young lawyers to realize that your opponent is probably a really good lawyer too you have yeah. to take in our business you need to assume that your opponent your adversary that you will treat with respect and professionally is really competent, excessively competent, and wants to win as much as you do. And they think it's an open and shut case over there too. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> it is, when I've run into incompetent lawyers, I still wonder, I see the arguments they make. It's like, wait a second, what do they know that I don't know here? What am I missing? But then, but then so I was like, okay, I overestimated. Yeah, right. It, it happens happen occasionally. <laughs> you still have to take it seriously. You still have to take it seriously. Take it seriously. Uh, when we come back on your day in court, a grand jury has indicted an Atlanta area rapper on four felony charges. As soon as I saw the guy's name, I knew who he was, knew he was from Atlanta. We'll discuss it next on Your Day in Court here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. You're listening to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. My name is Tug Cowart. We appreciate you spending time with us. We always talk about interesting stories when it comes to the law, and most people, like me, don't know much about the law, to be honest with you. That's why we get experts in here, renowned lawyers like Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. 
Our final story is that a grand jury here in Atlanta has indicted a rapper. You may know him by the name of Silento. He had a huge hit. He's been charged with four felony charges. Malice, murder, formally accusing him of shooting his cousin to death. His name is Ricky Lamar Hawk. And now, Ray, things are not going quite as well as they were. Yeah, well, so let's dovetail off the last case where we sort of distinguished homicide is and negligent homicide and manslaughter. Well, he's charged with felony murder. That means you killed someone with intent to harm. You knew what you're doing, yeah. During the commission of a crime, whether it's a robbery or an argument or a fight. So you're committing a crime, as Domino says, don't commit a crime while, while you're, you're committing, committing a crime. crime. Yeah. So he's got the serious murder charges, okay, mm-hmm. that could lead to life without parole or, mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe even capital punishment. But this young man apparently has a little bit of a criminal history, and a lot of it is violence-related. He's got a, an arrest out in Los Angeles several years ago where he went to some, somebody's house that he thought was somebody that owed him some money with a, with a hatchet, a tomahawk, oh my. and tried to attack the homeowners who fought him off and had a weapon and defended themselves. He's got a domestic assault. And then about two years ago here in Metro Atlanta, he got a, a speeding ticket. And, you know, you get a speeding ticket, tug, you know, 67 and a 55. We're not mm-hmm. paying attention. He got 143 miles an hour speeding ticket. It was Jeez. reckless driving. And he told the officers that it's okay for him to drive that fast because he's not a regular person. Well, so we, we may <laughs> have a guy that here that's a little bit full of himself, too much hubris, a little success when he was young. And now he's acting like a fool, but he's out in the DeKalb County Jail with no bond. Yeah, and you can have uh, a video that generates 1.8 billion views on YouTube, um, but that doesn't uh, immunize you from being prosecuted for your actions. And um, it seems like uh, his lawyers are starting to set up some sort of defense that he's not mentally competent. They're talking about he has a history of mental illness, that kind of a comment to a police officer, that maybe the kind of comment that... uh, somebody who has a mental illness issue would say, or perhaps he's a genius that's setting up a mental illness defense in advance. Who who knows? He was arrested twice in the same week back in August in California. Needless to say, he's having some issues, but none of that should end in you pulling out a gun and shooting anybody, let alone your cousin. Um, Apparently, officers were able to track down video from nearby homes, and, and it's all out there on the video. And so there may be some argument over what is really shown. You know, the, the the home videos are great. If someone is right there on your property, they're a little less clear when it's across the street and you're filming something. Obviously, the prosecutors in DeKalb County feel like they've got a case. It just maybe there's something there to argue over and, and between potential defense re- built around mental illness and potential defense about, well, your video doesn't quite show it as clearly as you think. You know, maybe there's an opportunity here for a talented defense lawyer to either put up a good defense at trial or work out some sort of a, a plea deal that's acceptable to everyone. Yeah, I, I suspect that the defense will be sort of a, an evolving defense as you, A, now that you've raised the specter, and the quote that I am reading is that his lawyers say he has a history of mental illness. Well, once you throw it out there, you better find the history. Where's the psyche valve? Where's the treatment? Was he on medication? So if that's the case, you need to start putting that together. Right. Would a history of mental illness include um, his aunt saying, oh, he's crazy? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what he means. <laughs> right. Right. We need right. a little more than that. That's right. We better be documented. That's right. right. And then you've got to get an independent psych eval that the court will order, which I'm going to tell you, having read dozens and dozens and dozens of them, it's really hard to raise that level of self-defense or 
you know, uh, guilty but by reason of insanity or mental illness defense. It's very difficult. You're going to have to have, and again, we go back to the battle of the experts because even if the defense team can find those kind of experts, the prosecution's got access to wonderful top-notch docs and psychs as well. We're going to come in and say, oh, no, he's totally sane. He's fine. And the standard for the court is, your day in court, is judge, he's mentally ill either at the time of the incident or now to the level that he can't assist in his own defense. So these are the issues that the defense is going to flesh out, as well as the grainy, is it Zabruder? The Kennedy <laughs> Zabruder film. Zabruder film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that these ring videos, the ATM cameras, the cameras in the middle of the intersection, we're, we're, you're on film, kids. Wear makeup when All you the leave time. the house, you know, because somebody's taking your picture or you're being photobombed or something. I mean, think about this horrible murder that we have in in, in the uh, park, in Piedmont, Piedmont Park. park. Yeah. Well, now the police have gone back and found cameras where they've identified people who were in the park at that time, exercising, walking their dog, whatever, that probably aren't suspects, but may lead to Maybe the Maybe they key. saw something. They saw something right, or yeah. heard something and, and or, or felt, you know, just felt something was out of place. So uh, there's so much video out there. And I suspect also as technology increases, the police are going to have ways to enhance these films and this videotape do measurements, you know, the, what kind of... I've always yeah. wondered why in banks, against the back wall of the bank where the robber's behind the robber's back, there's not like a, a measurement, you know, height thing we you do for your kids. They, have it, they like, have it at the post office. Yeah, right. When you walk into the post office, they have it right there uh, at the door. It shows your height as you walk as in. As you walk in. I don't, yeah, I don't know why banks don't, don't right. do it either. Right. But in this case, too, um, the prosecution will also get hold of cell phone records and they'll see if they can you track, know, him. track him to that exact location at that exact time, which, you know, doesn't prove anything, but it does at least place, you, place you there, the area, right? Yeah. If you're saying I wasn't there, well, your cell phone was, you know, and you, you know, somebody made several calls and uh, text messages from your phone, including uh, I'm so mad at my cousin, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of uh, digital proof these days that uh, comes up in prosecutions and in civil cases and you know, it, it can make a case, it can break a case, but, it, but it's out there. And don't yeah. be surprised if we hear self-defense at some point in time. Oh, wow. He, I yeah. love my cousin, but he owed me money. I went to get it, or I owed him money, and he came to get it, and he got rough, and I had to defend myself. Yeah. Don't be surprised if we hear that. Of course, to make the self-defense claim at the same time to make a mental illness claim right. is actually pretty difficult. Not impossible, but it's seems pretty like, difficult. Seems yeah. like you're grasping at straws a you, little bit. You are. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, it that's what it seems like to me. But uh, look, interesting story. We'll definitely keep up with that one, too, as we wrap up the show. Just uh, want to get information for you listening. How do you get a hold of these experts when you need their helpers? Bruce at Hagen-Law.com. My website has a ton of information and resources there, including a teenage driving contract for anybody who's got a teenage driver in the house. Here, the here. teenage driving contract is a great thing. You can adapt it to your specific needs, but it sets out rights and responsibilities and duties for both your driver as well as you as parents in supervising the kid. 404-522-7553 is the phone number. Give us a call. Yeah, I remember in uh, 1985 when I started practicing law, lawyers kept bankers' hours eight to five at the office. You not couldn't anymore, get not huh? anymore. No, and that's why Bruce and I, I think, long ago recognized that in a town of lots of good lawyers, there are lots of good lawyers, lots of good doctors, lots of good restaurants. You have to make yourself accessible. People's problems don't generally occur between nine o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the afternoon. It's it's when you least it's exactly expect. Exactly opposite it, you know? of those that's, hours, that's right. probably. And those hours, that twenty-four hours, that golden hour thing. So if something happens Saturday morning. Call me Saturday morning. Call Bruce Saturday morning. Let us let us 
us worry about it all weekend. Maybe we can save you that problem. I, I can go. guarantee you one thing. If you're hit by a tractor trailer, that trucking company has their lawyers out on the scene of the at crash the itself. Scene. They're, they're the, and, and trucking lawyers, you look at their websites, they're promoting that. We have a 24-hour response team. We will be at the scene of that crash, doing measurements, getting statements. You know, what are they really saying? Hiding documents, beginning to set up the <laughs> defense. Sleeping up the debris. No, beginning yeah. to make sure that we're setting up this defense before the plaintiff ever even knows that they have a case. Yeah, That's goodness right. gracious. That's why you need lawyers like Bruce and Ray. And if you need their help, make sure you call them. We'll catch you next time here on Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.